a safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Welcome to Passion. This is a show all about love, sex, and relationships. I'm your host, Dr. Lori Batito. I'm a clinical psychologist. I specialize in sexual health. And on Tuesdays, I reserve the whole night to answer your questions. So you can send them in at uh, 514 by text. You can feel free to call in 514 uh, If you want to email me, you can do that as well to lori at drlori.com or through the iHeartRadio app. Uh, you can send those emails to me, by the way, anytime. And at the beginning of every show, I will answer all of your uh, all of your questions. But if you want to get in touch with me right here, right now, it's five one four eight hundred. It's uh, radio. The beauty is, it's anonymous. I don't need your name. You even in your email, even if your name appears, I will never say your name. Uh, so uh, whatever you've got to ask, you ask. No question is a stupid question in my books. And understand that if you have a question, other people probably have the same uh, the same thing, or at least somebody out there. And if you're listening and there is a situation that you can relate to, uh, then it does help for you to share with others so people don't feel so alone and um, and they can benefit also from your uh, your experiences. All right, first one. Uh, my girlfriend and I have been together for a year and a half. I was her first sexual experience, and she doesn't really enjoy sex. She says that it feels good at first, but then the feeling disappears. We've tried various positions, techniques, etc. Nothing seems to work. Any advice? So the first thing question I have is, you say she doesn't really enjoy sex. Do you mean intercourse? So what, oftentimes when people talk about, they use the word sex, they mean intercourse, penis in vagina, intercourse. So it, it let, I'm going to go with that, thinking that's what you're saying. So what women have to understand and what their partners have to understand is that for women, intercourse is not really the uh, the action that's going to get them to orgasm. They need the foreplay. They need the uh, clitoral stimulation. So what's really important in this situation is uh, for you to spend a lot of time uh, on her, with, with your hand, your mouth, on her, uh, her vulva, her clitoris especially. So that's the first thing. And, you know, she's young, so and it's her first experience. It takes time to discover what one likes uh, with, with experience. I often recommend to women for, to self-explore, even with the use of a vibrator, their own hand, to see what feels good for them. Otherwise, what could be going on is uh, some psychological block, meaning that something else is going on in her head that's stopping her. So maybe she's feeling uh, aroused and then um, it goes away because her mind is taking over. Is she thinking about or conflicted about sexuality? In other words, oftentimes we're raised with negative messages around sexuality. And so when we start engaging in sex, it these messages creep up and they make us feel a, a little bit of shame and guilt and things like that. And even though we may not be acutely aware that this is what's happening in our brain, sometimes that is exactly what's going on. 
and so we don't let go. We don't allow ourselves to be completely vulnerable, to uh, really enjoy the moment and be present in the moment. We're thinking more about other things going on in our, uh, in our brain. So those are a couple of avenues, I would say, uh, to explore. Uh, from what I understand, flavored condoms can only be used for oral sex. Though this may be true, the package tells its user that if the condom is used for anything other than vaginal sex, the chance of that condom breaking increases. Can I use the condom for oral sex or not? The answer is yes, you can use the condom for oral sex. There's less likely uh, breakage uh, for oral sex. And by the way, I commend you for thinking about using condom during oral sex. A lot, there's uh, risks involved in terms of STI risks with oral sex, but most people uh, do not think about that and do not use, uh, use condoms uh, during, uh, during oral sex. So this is something that, um, that you should uh, consider. And the flavored condoms are there for that reason, so that they don't taste too latexy uh, in the mouth. But no, you absolutely can use, uh, can use them for, uh, for oral sex. If I have difficulty getting an erection, any reason I should not use Viagra? So first of all, you need a, an assessment as to why are you having difficulty with your erections? How old are you? What is going on elsewhere in your body? So when a man has consistent uh, erectile dysfunction, I always recommend that they have a full uh, medical just to check what's the cholesterol like, how's the heart, how's the heart pumping, uh, what's the blood pressure like, is there uh, diabetes involved, is there something else, are you on any medications right now? Uh, so the only, the contraindication for Viagra is if you are on nitrates, so for heart patients, uh, then it's contraindicated. Um, but regardless, you're going, when you get your prescription, your doctor has your history and the pharmacist has your history of all the meds that you take. So they will tell you if it's contraindicated with, uh, with anything else. The other thing you should know about Viagra or Cialis or Levitra, I mean, there's multiple uh, medications you can use, and you'd have to find the one that's that works for you. So Viagra works like you take it an hour or two before sexual activity. So you have to time it. Um, Cialis works on a 48-hour window. So you could take it on a Friday and have sex on the Sunday, for example. So it, it allows for more spontaneity. And you have to decide. With Viagra, you can't have a full meal. With the with uh, Cialis, I believe it's okay. With some, you can drink. With others, you can't. So you have to like really figure out which one is best for uh, your lifestyle. Plus, know that it may not work the first time. So if it doesn't work that first time, night that you take it don't take another pill the same night you wait uh, for an, another day and then you can try it again so it can take a couple of tries before it works as well and I know it's that's not fun because they're expensive pills so uh, the other uh, thing too is you start at a smaller dose so they come in a hundred milligram pills you can cut them in half and only take half the dose the 50 milligram dose and see if that uh, 
if that helps you out. So uh, again, I don't have much information to go on, but to me, before anybody's given any medication, I would hope that they would have a like a, an evaluation of their of their sexual situation and their medical situation as well. I'm looking into playing some games and incorporating them into what happens behind bedrooms bedroom doors. Do you have any suggestions? Would you recommend them as a good form of foreplay? So you're talking about sex games and such. Yeah, they can be a lot of fun if you want to include a little bit of spicing up or something different into your uh, your sex life. It's a good idea. I, I think that being playful is great. Uh, playfulness in the bedroom is, uh, we should strive for that because it's that's what it's supposed to be, a fun, playful uh, environment. So there is... Uh, there's a couple of things. There's games you can play, like board games, but then uh, there's one company called the Fantasy Box that delivers to your door every month, like a box, uh, like a surprise box with instructions and props. And so neither of you know what you're getting. Um, and so it's like a, a it, at the same time, it's an adventure, it's a surprise, and it could be something fun uh, and pretty high quality stuff. So you could look that up, thefantasybox.com. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang ups and the heartbreak. You're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Answering your sex and relationship questions tonight, 514-800 to text in any question that you have, or you can always call in at 514-790-0800 or feel free to email me, laurie at drlaurie.com. My wife is very dry even after a long foreplay session, which would be the best lubricant to use to keep her moist. So there are, uh, first of all, I'd want to know why is the dryness there? I have no idea how old your wife is. So if your wife is uh, postmenopausal, then uh, the first step would be to look into an estrogen intravaginal cream or suppository or something that could keep the um, the vagina in good shape inside. So that's the, the first order of business. Second thing is during sexual intercourse or penetration, using a lubricant is a very good idea. I'm partial to uh, the the liquids and the um, the silicone-based lubricants because they don't dry out. The jellies, like the KY jelly, for example, tends to uh, evaporate faster and dry up faster, so you'd have to keep reapplying, and so not as comfortable. Uh, the uh, silicone-based ones are uh, feel very oily, but they can be used with condoms as well. You it, again, there are so many on the market these days that you um, you have to also try and see what what feels good for her and also what is non-irritating for her. Some people are uh, super sensitive to uh, different kinds of uh, lubricants. So you'd have to find ones, uh, ones that work. But I would, I would try with, uh, with that. And you can get silicone-based ones even in the pharmacy. There's also um, a KY liquid. It's like in a small little bottle. Feels very greasy as well. 
Uh, somebody wrote in, I heard coconut oil is a very good lubricant. Are there any cons to that? Uh, coconut oil is fine. Of course, you can't use any oils if you're going to use a condom. So that's number one. Uh, but some people, coconut oil is is actually really non-irritating uh, for most people. But some people do experience some irritation. So you would have to check. Um, coconut oil is, I I think coconut oil is really good. I, I even use it for a makeup remover in the eyes and there's no stinging action at all. So it, that shows you how mild uh, how mild it is. So a lot of people keep a jar of coconut oil in their bedrooms. Please don't use the one in your bedroom to cook with. Keep two separate jars. That would be the most hygienic. <laughs> uh, but yes, that that is something that you can definitely um, that you can definitely try. If other people have tried lubricants that they like, uh, let me know. Let let uh, let's help uh, this person out as well. Five one four. 800 to uh, to text in. Uh, dear Dr. Lori, I was just curious as to how to protect and, in quotation marks, arm my children against child molesters. What is the best way to teach children about their private parts? So this is one of the reasons that we uh, stress that sex education should start in the early ages. Like, you start it from a very young age, so even pre-kindergarten, but you're not talking about how to have sex. A lot of people think, oh no, they're too young, they're too young. But what we're teaching kids at that age is about their bodies, about what's a private part. So generally we teach little kids that a private part is something covered by, let's say, a bathing suit. That's a private part and uh, that it belongs to them and that no one can touch their private parts. And so you're already teaching them what's private, who can touch, who cannot touch, uh, and that you can do very, very early on. But if you don't have these conversations, then um, that 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 innocence, like when they, it makes them vulnerable, makes them vulnerable to other people, uh, like older people telling them, oh no, it's okay, you know, uh, all grown-ups do this to children or however else they do. And then they would know that no, nobody's allowed to touch. And then you teach them how to say no. And uh, you teach them to uh, talk to to a grow to a um, a parent or a teacher if anything uh, should happen. So this is how you start. But it even starts way before that. I would say like at two years old, three years old, you start talking about just naming the parts of the body, right? Oftentimes we neglect those parts. Like when we ask kids to name their body parts, you know, we point to different areas. What's this? Your knee, your ear, your nose, your eyes. Uh, but we don't say, uh, that's your penis, that's your anus, that's your vulva, that's your vagina, that's your clitoris. We don't use those words with kids, and we should. Why are we shying away? Because then they start to think that those are parts that are, like, we're not supposed to talk about those, right? But why not? It's If you start at a very young age, then the language is there, and then you can gradually build on that to talk about, what is private, what's not private, etc., etc. 
Uh, hi, Dr. Lori. Great show as usual. Thank you. Question. Isn't most erectile dysfunction <clears throat> caused through psychological issues and not physical dysfunction? Could meditation help tantric sex? Um, okay, so first of all, that's you, you, we can't make a general statement that most erectile dysfunction is caused by uh, caused by psychological issues. For younger people with erectile dysfunction, I would say yes, can be caused by performance anxiety, especially. Um, that's for younger people who are having trouble. But for older gentlemen, no, it's uh, oftentimes a physical and sometimes a mixture of physical and psychological. Sometimes you can develop an erectile dysfunction because you have a premature ejaculation problem and so the anxiety about the premature ejaculation causes you to have an erectile dysfunction. But there are lots of other factors like medications. So people who take uh, SSRIs or antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication, for example, may experience erectile dysfunction. There's also all kinds of other medications that people take that can have an impact on their sex life. So it is not just about, it's not all in your head. Uh, for many people, it's also in, uh, in their bodies, which is why it's important that if a person is experiencing regular uh, erectile dysfunction to have them uh, to get themselves checked by a medical doctor to make sure that nothing else is going wrong in the body because it could be an indicator that the the blood is not flowing well there and may not be flowing well in other areas if we ignore it and just believe oh it must be in my head then we may be ignoring problems that are going on in the body you're talking about, you asked about medication and tantric sex. So tantric sex is, a, well, these are tantric techniques are, um, usually they don't involve intercourse. They don't even involve necessarily having an erection, but it's a, really to me, it's about being in, in the present moment and being mindful and prolonging arousal. So the whole purpose of tantra is to, um, prolong that arousal and stay in that arousal state without getting to the orgasm state and really connecting with uh, with the partner. When you talk about meditation, what comes to mind for me, it's not just like you meditate during the day and okay, when you when you go have sex, it should work, but it's more about being present and being mindful. Uh, when you are having sex, so you can, instead of being in your brain, in your head, which would be the cause of, let's say, the anxiety and the anxiety-induced erectile dysfunction, you would be in your body. You would be feeling in the present moment what your body is experiencing and the pleasure you're focusing on rather than the thoughts in your head that you would be focusing on. So in that respect, Yes, like even using breath work and things like that, that like using meditation techniques uh, are certainly helpful for that kind of thing. So, yes, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for that. 514-800 if you have any uh, questions uh, for me, I'd appreciate it. Uh, recently, my wife and I noticed that our 11-year-old daughter and her friend of the same age have been, for lack of better term, experimenting. 
Every time we open the door to her room, they both snap to attention. The door now stays open. We are not really sure how to approach the situation. If it was a boy pulling moves out on my daughter, I would have said something on the spot. Talk about double standards. Do we talk to them? Uh, Well, you could, but I should tell you that uh, experimentation among same-age children is very, very normal, where they sometimes will practice kissing or uh, they may touch each other and things like that are normal experimentation. When you worry is when there's some kind of coercion like if it's an older kid or where the two are not good friends, for example, and it puts them in a situation of um, potential trauma and and danger. In this case, it doesn't sound like anything is traumatic happening. Um, I like the idea of keeping the door open. That's that's fine. And also being able at 11 years old to to have... uh, discussions about sexuality 11 years old is uh is old enough to to get sex education and to start talking about puberty and changes and feelings that they may have and and things like that so um i'd love to hear from others if uh if you're if you found uh, your children in the same situation and how you've handled it with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Trouble Tuesdays on the program. If you have any uh, questions for me, feel free to uh, send them in to uh, 514-800 or you can always email me. Um, Dr. Lori, great show. My question is, this is by email, is there a remedy for HIV? My sister suffered from this, would like to help her. It has been eight years now. She does not live here. Uh, so there's, there is treatment. It's not a cure, but there is treatment for HIV now. And I, I, I know there's the, the prep and the, there's the pre and the post. So people who are diagnosed with HIV... Um, are on uh, on medications now that make them undetectable, which is amazing because it's the first time that uh, there's a, a medication without a huge cocktail uh, that uh, makes their viral load undetectable, and undetectable means untransmittable. So she would have to look into... Um, taking that medication on a on a daily uh, on a daily basis i'll have to get the name for you exactly i it's perp i I forget what it stands for but i i will get it for you uh, at the next break i'll dig it up and and find that for you uh dear dr Laura, i have some doubts about my son's sexual orientation as a little boy he would use his mother's makeup and dress up in her clothing he was never interested in sports and would much rather have participated in pottery classes and tap dancing. My wife convinced me that he was a normal boy with different tastes. As he got older, I began noticing that he had a lot more female friends than male. Between the ages of 14 and 17, he has had six girlfriends. None of the relationships lasted longer than a few months. I then discovered that he was visiting a gay lesbian site around five times a week. 
He doesn't have any signs of depression. He's not doing drugs and keeps drinking to a minimum. How do I approach this situation? Do I have reason to be worried? So my question would be, what are you worried? What would you be worried about exactly? Uh, So your child may be gay. Yes, uh, it's a possibility. Uh, Does why would that, let's say, worry you? Thankfully, we live in an age where it's uh, much easier now to be out and come out and uh, and not to be ostracized for for being gay. But as a parent. The first thing you have to do is let him know that you are open, that you love him no matter what, and that if he'd like to talk, that uh, you're open to, to hearing him. Be careful that you uh, you and your, or your wife or your ex-wife, I don't know, if, whichever it is, uh, that, he, that he doesn't hear homophobic comments coming out of you because... Uh, sometimes we inadvertently will say things and a child who hears any kind of anti-gay or, or, or too much, too pro-heterosexual, meaning that you only talk about them having a girlfriend and one day you'll marry a girl and a girl and a girl and a girl, then the message is, uh-oh, um, this is, these are my parents' expectations and they will not be happy if they find out that I'm gay and therefore I should not come out to them or tell them. So you want your children to be able to share that kind of information with you and maybe talking in general about sexuality. So I, I'm not sure how much you've talked about sexuality, but you could also simply ask and, and let your son know that, um, you're there, you love him no matter what, and if that's his choice, if that's how, not, I shouldn't say his choice, but if this is his orientation and this is how he feels, then uh, then that's okay with you, and he can, he can share that with you. There's a really good book, too, uh, that uh, was written a, a while, quite a while back by Gerald Bain, uh, and it's a book for parents, and it's and it's the title is "So Your Child Is Gay." Uh, basically, like what's next, right? Like what? How do you handle that, and what have you? So that would be my advice. If there's any other, if anybody else wants to contribute to that or give advice to this father of a 17-year-old who believes his son may be gay. Um, Let's give it to him, okay? Uh, all right, so back. let's backtrack now. Thank you, uh, Texter, for sending this information so I don't have to look it up. Uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis. But no, that's the pre-exposure. So that's the a person who doesn't want to be exposed to HIV would take that. What's the post one when you have... The eight when you already have HIV. Thank you for doing my homework for me. So since you're on the ball here, maybe you could look that up for me. So that that's prep. So prep is the pre-exposure, but there's the other one for uh, for treatment. Also starts with a P, I think. So um, if you don't get it, I'll uh, I'll try and find that. Here's a good question for uh, for parents. Another parenting question. And uh, this one, I don't think there's a right and wrong answer for that. But anyway, should parents allow 
their 17-year-old boy or girl sleep over at their boyfriend or girlfriend's house if they have been together for over a year? Is it morally incorrect? Is there even a right answer to this question? I'm not sure there's such a right answer because I think I think we're all different in terms of uh, of parents and what we see as morally okay or not. Like some parents absolutely uh, would would be absolutely not. Like even if your child was 30, they wouldn't want a, another uh, their boyfriend or girlfriend sleeping over. So it all depends on how comfortable as a parent you are, what your rules of the home are, what you feel is is okay. So I don't know what do what do people think about that? I think it's um, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting question. I mean, for me, when the kids were older and had a regular uh, a regular partner that for a year, which made it a more serious partner, and it, there was an occasional like the you know person stayed over late or there was a party at the house or something like that. I did not really have a problem with that, but. I'm just, you know, that's that's just me. Uh, but there are plenty of other people that uh, that are not comfortable with that, and that's okay too. Uh, we all have our our limitations, and we all have our boundaries, and uh, we raise our kids with with those boundaries. So I'd love to hear what others have to say, though. Uh, next question uh, is about uh, crying during sex. This is Passion on CJAD 800. Answering your questions tonight. So, okay, follow up on the HIV question. So you're diagnosed with HIV. The, uh, the drugs are antiretroviral therapies. ART is the name. And now the, the new drugs now that have to be taken on a daily basis are safer, they're simpler, and they are... Uh, more effective, but if you, the sooner you get on to draw onto these antiretroviral therapies, uh, the better it is for you. Because if you're not on these medications, you could be susceptible to secondary kinds of infections. Other, uh, your your immune system is compromised, so you have uh, other kinds of uh, infections. Uh, let's see. At 16, my parents, mother, did not let girls sleep over at my house, my mother's house, but had no problem if I slept over at their house. So a little double standard there, but uh, okay. So there you go. Uh, if someone has HIV and they sleep with someone who is not infected and does not tell that person, is this a criminal offense? Is this illegal in Montreal? That's a really good question, and I'm not 100% sure of that because if somebody, uh, like if somebody is on these uh, antiretroviral therapies, then they are essentially undetectable, which means they can't transmit it. I would think, though, you'd still have a right to know. Um, is it criminal? Uh, somebody who, I know there have been cases in the States, I don't know about Canada, but 
where uh, somebody knowingly infected somebody with HIV, so they were not on, on, on medication, but they knowingly infected and did not tell their partners, and it was considered illegal. So I, this text writes, if somebody knows they have a disease, it should be illegal if they don't tell. Look, I agree. I think it's the responsible thing to do if you have anything, if whether you have herpes or certainly uh, HIV, um, some you wouldn't even know you had. That's another thing. There are some STIs that uh, are asymptomatic, so you wouldn't actually know, and you could be passing them on without knowing that you had them. So it, it's, a, it's a big moral question, for sure, about telling your sex partners, which is why if you have a new sex partner, you can insist and say, look, I'm not going to have sex, or certainly not unprotected sex, uh, until there's, we, both get, uh, we both get tested, and I see your results, and you see my results. So somebody says, it is criminal. Okay, thank you. So... Uh, somebody texted in that it is criminal to do that. Uh, last question. Um, why do I sometimes laugh or cry uncontrollably during uh, during sex? So when you think about it, sex is an emotional event. It's also a neurological event, actually. It's intense, and um, it can trigger feelings. It can trigger unexpected uh, feelings. Uh, the emotional reaction could be due uh, to hormones, depending on where you are in your menstrual cycle. It could be maybe about the fears. Um, but you have to understand that with orgasm, for example, that whole letting go puts you in a vulnerable uh, position. You, you, you feel vulnerable. Everything, it's like you're, you open up literally and figuratively and emotionally. And so this could um, create a release of, uh, of emotions as well. Um, I'm nowhere near uh, menopause, but I'm as dry as the Sahara down there, even when I'm in the mood. How can this be? So there are multiple factors that... Uh, that are involved in keeping the vagina naturally uh, lubricated, but lots of things can sabotage these these hormone uh, levels. So uh, much some of this is oral contraception. A small percentage of women who take oral contraception could experience vaginal uh, dryness. They could be uh, things that you're taking, like antihistamines. If you're on, um, if if you're uh, prone to uh, uh, allergies, for example, and you take antihistamines, those dry out the mucous membranes, not just in your sinuses, but also in your uh, vagina. If you are diabetic, if you are uh, taking any kinds of uh, any other kinds of medication, it could affect you, like if, if antidepressants, for example. If you're breastfeeding, uh, things like that. So, what would be recommended, which is an easy, easy solution, is uh, uh, using a um, a good lubricant. Again, I'm going to recommend a silicone uh, based lubricant uh, before sex, and that would 
uh, absolutely help. And this is a good example how you can be completely aroused and have nothing to show for it. Meaning you, you've, you're feeling the arousal, but what, you know, the, the results for most people is wetness, right? Lubrication. And it doesn't happen. And this, women can find this as they age as well, that this can happen. So, um, that's, and it can happen. That That's uh, the way it is. You just have to figure out what's going on in, uh, in your body. Uh, let's see, other questions. Uh, I am a 62-year-old clinically depressed male. I also have erectile dysfunction and a lack of libido. The time when I'm not depressed, I have increased libido, an interest in sex, and an erection in my sleep. Is there anything I can do to increase my libido levels at all times, even though I've been depressed since my childhood? So here, I'm not sure if you're on medication or not. So if you're on antidepressants, antidepressants, unfortunately, have as a side effect could... um, could impact various parts of your uh, of the, your sexual response cycle. For some men, they experience erectile dysfunction. For others, they experience uh, a lack of uh, desire, or or both in in some cases. So the other thing too is that one of the symptoms of depression is a low libido, uh, and if you have a low libido. You're not getting aroused, so you're not getting your erections, and so it goes. And it's unfortunately a bit of a a vicious cycle. So if you are on antidepressants and the antidepressants are causing the erectile dysfunction, you can speak to your doctor to find out if there's another medication you can switch to that could maybe have less of an impact. There's a couple out there that have less of an impact on... um, on erectile functioning. So that's something for you to uh, to look for. Last question, what's the best natural Viagra? There really isn't a natural uh, Viagra, but a couple of days ago, I think I talked about something. I, I talked about ginkgo, um, which is uh, something that, again, in- may increase blood flow in the body. Oh, no, ginseng, I mean, um, Korean red ginseng, which can increase blood flow generally and a general feeling of well-being, but does not replace the effectiveness of something like Viagra, unfortunately. Uh, Thank you all for sending in uh, your questions. Very much appreciated. Thanks to Aaron Lakoff, our technical uh, producer tonight. If you want to connect with me on social media, you can do that at at Dr. Lori Batito, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E-B-E-T-I-T-O. Or if you want to send in your questions, you could do that through my website at drlori.com, where you will also find... Uh, listings of all the podcasts, all the past shows that we have done, along with a couple of TED Talks that I've done that are posted on my website as well, and information about my book. Uh, Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, and remember to live your life with passion. Mm